0: Hello, and welcome to the Keepers of the Flame podcast. This is a show to shine a light into the darkness, to empower women, their support networks, and our communities to weather breast cancer, because together we weather the storm. But on this ocean, every wave brings you closer to home. And no matter what you think, you are never alone. Hello and welcome back to Keepers of the Flame podcast. I'm Joyce Williams, your host, and this is episode number 12, Fear. Yup. Today, I want to dedicate this entire episode to nothing but that fabulous emotion, Fear. I know that we've talked about it in some of our previous episodes, but today I want to dedicate this entire time to my newest, not always welcome, but ever loyal companion, Fear. And yes, I just personified fear. I did it because, well, a couple of reasons. One, after watching the movie Inside Out, which is just brilliant. After having seen that, I just continue to picture all these little emotions up in my mind. Because it's funny. Not only is it funny and humorous, but it kind of makes it easier to talk about them. To relate to those emotions and... To understand them a little bit better. Now, my fear does not resemble that timid purple guy in our beloved character Riley's mind from that the classic movie Inside Out. Nope, nope, mine is a bit different. Mine is cute until you trigger it. And then it's just intense. I imagine my fear to be this little child afraid with these big puppy dog eyes looking up at you until it's triggered and then i can hardly recognize him because he's just swirling around so fast it's like this dark shadow that just raises havoc and leaves chaos in its wake when i'm triggered and fear is running around like a crazy person that i can't even catch a glimpse it's just these dark shadows moving so fast and it's on panic mode I end up trying desperately in its wake to clean things up, to fix it, to polish some silver linings on things again, to fix the damn picture frame that fear knocked into crookedness. I can't handle that. We gotta straighten some stuff out and be okay again. Now, I can reason or comfort that scared little child, but when triggered in the moment of that panic where fear is just unrecognizable, In the midst of that fear, taking the reins and running around like crazy, it just moves so fast and causes so much destruction and pain that it's hard and I don't always know what to do. And truthfully, fixing it or trying to get rid of it or silver lining or painting a different picture with it is probably not always the way to go either. As I've mentioned in previous episodes, it really does come down to acceptance which is hard to do when it's driving you crazy and you're in panic mode. I get that, believe me, I get that. I personify fear because it's helpful to try to relate. I can, like I said, comfort that timid and shy child. What's wrong? How can I help you? What are you so afraid of? Talk to me, let me see what's going on. In that sense, it can be helpful. I know when my therapist first asked me, well, what is it trying to tell you? I didn't get it. I remember sitting there just in disbelief. How how could somebody ask me that? Like, I don't get it. What do you mean, what is it trying to tell me? It's telling me that I'm freaking afraid, that I don't want to die, that I don't want sharp things touching me. How on earth was that helpful? But when you personify it, when you take a moment and tell the rest of your being to just calm down, take a seat so that you can address and tend to that scared little child to fear that is personifying, then I can better understand what it is telling me. And I get what my therapist was asking me. Like, I actually understand that question better now. Fear isn't trying to create panic and chaos, though if you catch me right before a follow-up doctor's appointment, y'all, I may say otherwise. Because it's easier in the moment of clarity to say this than it is in the moment of panic, in the moment of those black shadows where fear is just moving so fast. It's hard to say that then. But speaking with the calm clarity joyce here, I can share this truth that I've learned. What is fear trying to tell me? Well, fear isn't trying to hijack my life or leave chaos in its wake though it sure as hell feels like it at the time. What fear's ultimately trying to do is to protect me, and that's kind of a noble job. I don't always get it and I don't always like it because that feeling isn't pleasant. But fear isn't out to destroy me, it's out to protect me. Here's the basic understanding of fear. As human beings, we all experience fear. If our amygdala and our brain is working properly, Fear is something that we experience and it has its role. It's what protects us when something dangerous is about ready to happen. It heightens our senses. It gets us ready for fight or flight. Do we fight whatever thing is getting ready to happen that's dangerous or do we flee from it? Do we hide? Do we run away? That fight or flight response is what has kept us safe for years and years and years and years. When diagnosed with cancer, fear takes on a whole other different level of intensity. I myself experienced it. And the thing is, is that's okay. I'm learning this. I'm learning that fear is part of us, but it doesn't define who we are either. I was actually giving a presentation to a group of cancer survivors. And most of them, when they heard this Presentation of mine where I talk about how this emotion is quite normal and that it happens because y'all, every person that I have interviewed, and I've spoken to a lot of women who've dealt with a breast cancer diagnosis, and they all echo the same sentiment that these emotions can be overwhelming, and fear is at the top of the charts. One of those ones. It's not the only one that's up there, but it definitely makes the top three. Right up there with sadness and grief. At any rate, I was giving a presentation about this emotional element to healing. And I was drawing on this friend of mine named Fear. And one of the women in this particular audience spoke up and said, I don't understand anything that you're talking about because I can't be afraid. Because fear and faith cannot coexist. And then she stared at me and said, do you even believe in God? Ouch, that kind of hurt a little bit. Yes, 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 I do. But I had fear too. And so I processed through what had just happened as my vulnerability just got squished and stomped on the floor. Okay, well then shame started to rise up because, wait, I just admitted that I wasn't always brave and strong and okay, that I had fear. Y'all, I admitted that I was a human. I'm human. I'm not going to be perfect. And I am going to have that emotion. It has served me well throughout my life. It served all of us as human beings well. But that being said, this moment in time, my vulnerability was squished. And I was trying to figure out how to process that. And I spoke to a friend of mine. And after thinking about it a little bit, I wrote this article And I want to take a moment and share it with you because it says it quite well. This is called Fear and Faith. I have promised to be completely authentic about this cancer journey, both the physical hoops and the emotional hurdles combined. For I know that only when we speak these truths out loud can compassion and connection allow us to truly heal and to change the world for the better, even if only a little. Dear sweet friend traveling this unforgiving, callous path, I aim to help you. I know that I don't have the power to just snap my fingers and in one fell swoop fix everything, but boy do I wish that I could. That, however, is a job that hasn't been assigned to me, and although there's nothing I like more than to wipe away your pain, and in some cases I sure as heck have tried, I recognize too That it's out of my control completely just as much as it is yours. I won't lie that does irritate me. It ticks me off because I do want to fix things to help when someone is hurting and to lift your burden so that you don't have to bear it. My heart has always been in the right place but my recognition of reality has been a little unrealistic at times. There are things in life that I simply cannot control. And learning to let go of these things has been quite the life lesson for me. Still, there is power in my pain. I can focus on the things that I can control. And this is a gift that I shall not waste. I can choose to let truth and love light the way. How? I can choose to listen, to take off my own horse blinders, and to see the world from a newer perspective. I can be compassionate and empathetic, and recognize that my own view of the world can be enhanced when I listen to another. Still, I can choose my own voice and authenticity to share as well, for it too has value and perspective of its own. I have ears that I can choose to listen with, and I have a voice that I can choose to use as well. And with my heart at the helm, my ears and my voice are not at odds. Rather, with the removal of our own horse blinders, we can all grow in our courage. Winston Churchill even said, courage is what it takes to stand up and speak. Courage is also what it takes to sit down and listen. Still, I must also recognize that as much as I strive for perfection, part of my own brokenness right there, I will never obtain it. I am not God. I am human, imperfections and all. Lisa Turkhurst writes in It's not supposed to be this way, finding unexpected strength when disappointments leave you shattered. We are imperfect because we are unfinished. Page 78. She goes on to write, God wants you, his creation, to connect with others and bring them light and life with the brushstrokes of compassion. Page 83. Compassion breeds connection and connection creates hope and love. Where there is love, There is God, both compassion for others and for ourselves is equally important. Every single one of us is broken. We are broken because we are human. We are not perfect, and as my friend put it, we all speak from our own scars, whatever they may be. Recognize that, recognize that in yourself and in others. My mission is to use the voice that I've been given, the vulnerabilities ignited from my own pain and the collection of inner truths shared by fellow survivors. To help kindle this compassion, this calling placed upon my heart, is to help people understand and to recognize that they are not alone with their emotional wounds that turn up in the wake of a cancer diagnosis. True healing requires attention to both those physical and emotional marks. And when you experience that overwhelming emotional current, no matter the form that it takes, It does not translate to weakness or unworthiness of love. It makes you real. It makes you authentic. It makes you human. It has taken me a long time to recognize that those negative emotions that we feel at times, sadness, grief, fear, anxiety, they may be part of us, but they don't define us. They have always been the happy, optimistic one. Yet I too fell. I used to think that to be positive meant that I was forbidden to feel sadness. Ever. Happy people couldn't have clouds of sorrow dripping down their backs now, could they? How wrong was I? Yet imagine the shame and guilt that piled on top of my heart when sadness found me all the same. It bugs me a little when someone tells me you just have to be positive. It's not that they're wrong. As much as it is that they don't know me i am positive i am happy those tears and heartache that i share do not rob me of my optimism that's my vulnerability shining through that's my humanity dangling on my shirt sleeve for the world to see if i cry in your presence that doesn't make me weak i am not defined by my tears that is my entire point That is the secret guarded by many, but applicable to us all. Our emotions make us human. And debunking the shame and guilt for experiencing the complete range of those emotions is part of being able to heal, give yourself permission to be human, to feel, to not have to display those perfect emotions. Brene Brown writes in Rising Strong, quote, The irony is that we attempt to disown our difficult stories, To appear more whole or more acceptable but our wholeness even our wholeheartedness actually depends on the integration of all of our experiences including the falls i've heard this similar tale of overwhelming fear sadness or grief echoed countless times from others who've journeyed through a similar trauma yet here's where hope shines i may experience sadness i may experience fear however when i fall and I inevitably will. I will rise again. That is hope. That is love. That is compassion towards myself and that is recognizing that strength and courage don't mean that I will never bleed, that I will never feel. I am human. I will do both. It's okay to not always be okay. It doesn't make you weak. It doesn't make you unworthy. Still, The process of unmasking this emotional truth and creating compassion and connection for those experiencing a similar one requires me to put my own vulnerability on the line. It forces me to wear my cancer-bruised heart out there on my sleeve, exposed and dangling for anyone else to just beat down. That is terrifying. This is especially true considering that my own brokenness cradles perfectionism And people-pleasing, those are imperfect threads of my own that run deep into my being. I'm working on that. And y'all, I'd be lying if I claimed that my exposed vulnerability never got beat down. Still, courage is moving forward with what you know needs to be done despite that fear-riding shotgun. I can have courage and still be afraid. I can have faith and hope and love despite the unpleasant thud from my stumbles and falls. Putting my vulnerability on the line is not an easy thing. But that compassion and connection would be unattainable without it. So I continue to muster up some courage and place my cancer-bruised heart out there on my shirt sleeve anyhow. It is daunting, and my heart races. I pushed forward anyhow, and in doing so, God gifted me a recent sting in this department. I'm not being sarcastic here. I do mean it was a gift. You see, it helped me take down those blinders of my own and grow in my own compassion while regaining a newer motivation to use my voice as well. Hello, ears. Hello, voice. Let my heart lead the way. I recently gave a presentation on these, quote, survivor truths to a group of cancer peers. I'd given it before, and I'd been previously greeted with countless confirmations. To my human brokenness within my very own people-pleasing problem, It made me feel good. Connection had been created. Survivors were given permission to be human, to not be defined by those overwhelming emotions, to learn how to cope with them and to push forward and live their best lives possible despite their pain. More importantly, they were able to recognize that they weren't the only ones. Let shame and guilt slide off the top of those compressed and buried emotions. It was a great moment and renewed me with purpose and conviction. However, when I gave my presentation later to another group, I had my low-lying vulnerability ripped off my shirt sleeve, and it stung. As I poured my heart out, I noticed one person falling asleep. Was I really that boring? Still three sets of eyes, the windows to your soul, let me in. Those individuals may not have said anything, but their eyes did their eyes whispered that soft, vulnerable truth within. Me too, me too. However, two other pairs of eyes within the room did not elicit the same response. Shields were up, and I was an outsider. Somehow, a word or phrase that I spoke triggered this wall of defense, and in the process of their self-preservation against my thought, my own vulnerability got squished. It was as if the very word... Fear, that I spoke of, was cast as the enemy and perceived as an immediate threat. Therefore, by extension, I became their threat, and I would go down for it, vulnerability and all. I'll first explain this sting, and then follow it up with what I heard and how it was a gift. In a presentation like this, where vulnerability is a must, I drew on the emotion that I had come to know quite well. Yep, fear. I was afraid of cancer. In some ways, I still am. I didn't go into all of these details at the time that I presented. But you see, I have developed some PTSD-like symptoms since finishing treatment. I re-see and re-feel everything about that damn operating room. It's incredibly painful and scary, even though my rational brain knows that it can't hurt me now. I still panic. As a result, I really don't like going to the doctor. I often cannot get out of the car. The sights and sounds and memories from that place trigger me and send me sailing into a very detailed memory that no one should have to carry. It sucks. It is hard. There is fear. But I make myself go in there anyway. I go because my fear, however intense and real it may be, does not own me and I have courage to face that fear. Note, I am not saying that it's easy. My drawing on the emotion fear does not mean that I expect everyone to experience it to the same degree. Perhaps it's sadness or grief or shame or anger that can be overwhelming following a diagnosis. Or maybe it is fear. Maybe it just manifests differently. Regardless, as human beings, we are hardwired to experience emotions, all emotions. My friend and psychologist even wrote, fear is very real. It elevates our cortisol so we can engage in survival tactics. Be it as it may, one of my cancer peers shared that she did not relate with what I was saying at all. Truthfully, I was dumbfounded. This was the first I had ever heard of this. A cancer warrior void of emotion? Void of fear? This woman had a presence of strength and conviction that drew you in. She was unwavering in her faith. Calm and sturdy, and I admired and respected her greatly for that. Could she really be without scars? How does one do that? My association with the word fear unintentionally jabbed a little too closely to a wound that she herself was fiercely guarding. She told me that she didn't have room for fear because she was deeply religious, and where there was fear, there was no God. She told me that fear and faith could not coexist. And then she asked me pointedly, do you even believe in God? Sting. My vulnerability went crashing to the floor, and shame for admitting my truths about fear began to rise. I listened, held myself together, and finished my points in the presentation. Were there tears? Sure. When I spoke of control, I drew on another one of my truths. I don't have control over what genes my children have inherited from me but I can control in part the kind of world that i like for them to inherit. That world includes compassion, and I will continue to muster up courage to create that compassion. Remember, where there is compassion, there is love. Do I still have fear that my girls may have a gene that writes its own code for pain, pain that I can't prevent? Absolutely. I'm their mother. Does it make me sad, and will I shed tears? Likely. Okay, certainly. I love them. Yes, I do believe in love. I do believe in God. I may not be able to quote scripture, and I may get awkward and uncomfortable when those around me can quote it while sleeping. That's my own brokenness with perfectionism raising its head here. I may have to turn to Google or call on my scripture-quoting friends to pull verses out of their hearts for me. I may not go to church nearly as often as I should, but I do have faith. My own diagnosis has in many ways drawn me closer to God, and I feel his presence about me even though I am not perfect. I have faith and I have fear. I am not perfect. I am broken. I am human. And that is okay. My inner critic is consistently loud and works on overdrive, and my perfectionism and people-pleasing habits are really hard to squash. So on the drive home, after my vulnerability got torn down and thudded to the ground with a spotlight on my own imperfections, my tears had been real. My fear still hung around somewhere inside, and I had perceived fingers pointed at me, declaring my faith less than real if I was caught fraternizing with fear. Fear and faith can't coexist. Joyce, you admitted that you have fear, ergo, you must not have faith more tears, more shame, more reason for people to hush their true emotions and deny their existence at all. That can't be right, can it? Since I haven't studied theology, and I know that I am not even close to being a qualified professional at interpreting scripture, I did the best that I could. I first turned to Google to search for scripture about fear. What did it say? And here's a few of what I found. John 4.18 wrote, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Corinthians 16.13 Be on your guard, stand firm in faith, be courageous, be strong. Psalm 18.2 The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. Isaiah 41.10 So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you in my righteous right hand. Y'all, I hear faith. I hear love. I hear a father calming his children. I hear that I am not perfect, but he's still my rock. What am I missing? Where does it say that my fear and my humanity is my biggest fault? I'm not debating scripture. I'm really not. I know that I'm not qualified for that. I truly just didn't know. All I knew was that I was hurting. I had faith, and yet I had fear. How did they measure up in a language that I was not as well-versed as others? So, I picked up the phone and called my scripture-quoting-cancer-fighting friend, who wrestled with her own humanity countless times before. I knew she was a safe person to call. She would give me her honest perspective without offense or judgment. It's funny how God brings people and situations into your life at just the right moment in time. She told me that it was not a coincidence that I asked this question today. She had wrestled with that very sentiment when someone had also told her faith and fear cannot coexist. She went on to divulge that hurt and shame rose through the wrestling too. However, a friend reminded her that of course they can coexist. You're a human. Of course, fear and faith can coexist. That's the nature of being human. We are not God. We are not perfect. Furthermore, fear is a requirement for keeping us safe. The fight or flight response that accompanies fear shaking the reins in our amygdala of our brains, well, y'all, it has served us well over the years. Fear protects us. It gives us what we need in times of great danger. Do we fight the wild animal or do we run and hide? We don't go up to it and say, hey, what's up? Do I shield my face when a ball comes hurling at it, or do I try to catch it? We don't stand there and wait for it to hit. Do I stand my ground and defend my home if a burglar enters, or do I hide under the bed and dial 911? We don't do nothing sure it's understandable then that when my brain gets the message that i've been here before there's danger inside this building last time you were told you had cancer when you were here that's dangerous there are knives in there sharp ones that were used to cut off body parts don't you see it joyce danger and all sorts of alarm bells begin to go off in my brain that fear although misguided because i'm at a different place in time that fear is there trying to protect me it shouldn't be shunned or shamed for that noble job. Perhaps it needs to be calmed and reassured, but not carved off of our being entirely. It is that same fear, fear of the cancer itself, that motivates me to go to my checkups. It takes its role in protecting me seriously. How, then, could it possibly be at odds with faith? My friend shared with me an excerpt from Shauna Nikis' book, Present Over Perfect, The author's chapter on vinegar and oil explains how she was taught to pray. She writes, Many of us learned along the way to ignore the vinegar. The hot tears banging on our eyelids, the hurt feelings, the fear. Ignore them, stuff them, make yourself numb, and then pray dutifully happy prayers. But this is what I'm learning about prayer. You don't get the oil until you pour out the vinegar. Page 75. On page 76, Nikas goes on to write, he wants me to bring the vinegar so that I can taste the oil. He doesn't ask me to show up and catalog my strengths. He doesn't ask me to show up and abuse myself for my failings. He asks me to bring my whole fragile, strong, weak, good, bad self. And that starts with vinegar. And it makes way for oil. When I was told, where there is fear, there is no God, I felt like my own worthiness had been called into question. Shame for feeling fear. And then again, for admitting it, rose up high in my heart, and vulnerability went rolling off my sleeve and thudded onto the ground. Ouch. But here's a beautiful piece of scripture that my friend shared with me, and I find it comforting in the physical trials of a cancer storm, and the emotional wake and uncertainty that follows, and then again in my own moment of braving to be vulnerable in efforts to create that compassion and connection. Micah 7-8 says, Though I have fallen, I will arise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. So in darkness, I sat. I wasn't alone. Through my unpleasant thud, I was connected with another, and compassion did bloom. Vulnerability isn't easy. Emotions are real, and they do rise in intensity following any trauma in life. But I am blessed for my falls. I am blessed for my whole entire heart, even the parts that are less than ideal. Still, I recognize that the beautiful, steady, and composed woman who brought this to my attention, she's not wrong. She's merely managing and fiercely protecting her own wounds in the best way that she knows how. She has lived through her own stormy waters, had to deal with things that no woman should, and she has her own story to tell. Perhaps that was her mantra. Perhaps those were the words that sewed together her own life preserver, and who am I to puncture that? It was certainly never my intention. Exactly my point. Cancer, no matter the diagnosis, if it has happened to your body, to your mind, to your soul, then you are entitled to feel however you feel, whenever you feel it. Breathe. Know that you are enough, just as you are. Human brokenness and all. We all are. That was the article that I wrote about fear and faith. And you know, I wish I could give lessons about fear. You know, I read back over that article that I wrote and it's like, wow, yeah, let's, let's all take on that. That's great, that's fine. And I wish I could just stand up and, and give these lessons about fear like I'm, I'm at the front of the class or something and all of this is at an arm's length away from me. Fear is far away from me. And I can talk about how it once was and go, you can manage and deal with it too. Look at me. Just follow these steps and you'll be free. Ta-da. Nailed it. But that isn't the case either. Nope. I am right there in the trenches. You see, fear visits all of us. It's that basic human emotion. And I will say... That the fear I experience now is different than the fear I experienced prior to cancer. Before I had cancer, yeah, perhaps maybe he did take on the appearance of the the character Fear on the movie Inside Out. Maybe he was that purple guy. Ooh, here, let me help you not trip over this cord. I've known Fear before. It's not like I never experienced that emotion. I was afraid that... A dog might bite me if he was growling at me or a bee sting those things hurt I was afraid not to touch something hot I had done it before and it burned don't do that again I used to be afraid how well am I going to do on this test or how well am I going to run this cross-country meet I could get afraid of walking by myself at night trying to get to my car my senses would just be heightened shoot I was afraid of childbirth y'all that hurts I was afraid of heights, still am, zip lining, roller coasters. Yes, 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 my heart learned to beat much faster in those situations. and all of them, there was fear, but I think it was purple guy fear. And then I was diagnosed with cancer. And once I got cancer, my fear took on a different form. I may have made it through my treatment, but that fear has not gone away. It is still that whole new level of intensity it comes and goes, but he doesn't vanish. Fear cannot vanish because he's part of me. In dealing with cancer, still talking in the past tense, y'all I was afraid of surgery. I was afraid of not waking up. I was afraid of dying on the table. I was terrified that when I tucked my children in the night before, that it was possible I was seeing them for the last time. It was scary. I also was really afraid when I found out that I needed radiation. I was at a point in time in my life, I thought I I was done and come to find out I wasn't. And so I had to get back in the game. And it wasn't that my cancer had come back. It was just I heard treatment again and my mind went to panic. It started going cancer again, treatment again. I can't do this. I can't do this. And I had, y'all, the biggest meltdown of my life. I had to pull over into a parking lot random gas station somewhere, and I I couldn't breathe. I was hyperventilating, and this meltdown was so big and so horrible that strangers were coming to knock on my car window to see if I was okay. I couldn't drive, I couldn't move, I couldn't pick up the phone to call my loved ones. I just melted. There was fear, fear was there. More recently, after having made it through the other side of treatment, my fear gets kicked off whenever I have to go to the doctor. And sometimes it is paralyzing. Sometimes I just I can't get out of the car. I do, I always do, but it's hard and it is scary. That fear of reoccurrence is a real deal. And from what I'm told with everybody that I've talked to, it's common. Doesn't make me feel any better about it, but it's common. Here's the present tense, fear. I felt a lump. I've had a bilateral mastectomy, chemotherapy, radiation, reconstruction, a hysterectomy, and I'm on that hormone medicine. So basically any and everything that you could possibly have done to breast cancer, I have had done to me in a 10-month period. Nonetheless, when I was in the shower the other day, I felt a hard pea-sized lump in the breast in which I once had cancer. There is fear there. I share this story. Well, first of all, by the time this episode airs, this present tense fear of mine will be in my past. And perhaps a new wave of fear could have possibly come and gone as well. Because that's the thing. The reason why I share that element with you now is to recognize that I cannot stand up here and say, hey, fear was once a part of my life and we can carve it off of us and move forward. Here are the steps, one, two, three. It doesn't work like that. I speak here about fear from a moment of clarity where I'm not all that removed from it. I'm still in the trenches with it as well. Fear knows me now, but here's the thing. Fear is really trying to protect me. Fear is trying to wave that little flag and tell me, hey, you need to pay attention to this. My fear knows what happened before and it knows what could have happened had I not gotten treatment when and how I did. So fear is trying to say, hey, you felt this spot. You need to call the doctor and you need to find out what it's all about. That present tense fear that I just spoke about with the lump, y'all, that's real. Fear is part of the past, present, and future that is our lives. And a glimpse at future joys here, looking back at this moment, and to talk about the fear associated with me recognizing this lump, it turns out that in my case, this lump was benign. Does that mean that the fear wasn't real, that it wasn't warranted? Of course not. I was terrified. But now, speaking from the future side of my life and looking back, I'm okay. That lump was benign. But that doesn't mean that the fear disappears at all either. Have there been moments since I recorded that that I've had even more fear? Absolutely. Will I get over them? Sure. Will I have more come again? Absolutely. It's going to be there. But that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with us. It means that we're human. So as much as I wish that I could talk about fear from a distance, I cannot give these lessons on fear from afar because fear is part of me. Fear may come and go with its intensity. But here's something else to remember. When fear does take those reins, he doesn't take over. That feeling of fear, it doesn't last forever, although it sure as hell does seem like it does. That's speaking from a moment of panic. And I know I'm going to have future moments of panic. But from a moment of clarity, looking back again and again, when it happens, it doesn't last forever. We need to come to an understanding, fear and I, and I'm sure that the same could be true for you. And it can be done. I may not be a professional at lassoing fear and putting it in its place, but I don't think it works like that anyway. It's not me versus fear, because again... Fear is part of me. And trying to get a better grasp on things, I was doing some internet digging myself and I came across a website. Michelle Rosenthal has a website called healmyptsd.com and she explains fear with this great metaphor and I love myself some metaphors so I wanted to share with you guys something that she said. And to hear more, go and check out her website. Again, it's healmyptsd.com. But Michelle says that fear isn't good or bad. Fear's actually neutral. And the metaphor that she uses is a stoplight. When you see a red light, the light is just red. It just is. How you feel about that red light, she goes on to say, can depend on your circumstance. If you're approaching the intersection slowly, then oh look, there's a red light, let me slow down and stop. But if it changes on you suddenly or other things are going on with traffic, it can cause more panic. How you feel about that light is what changes, but the light doesn't change. That was Michelle Rosenthal's whole point on healmyptsd.com, and I love that metaphor of hers. Because she's right, fear is just like that. Fear just is. It's not good or bad. And Michelle encourages all of her viewers to redefine your relationship with fear. Okay, fear, is it being in full panic mode? That craziness, the just whirlwind of loss of control? Or is fear, as Michelle says, this little red flag, this little reminder that, hey, you need to stop and look around a minute, check this out. And if we can shift our understanding and our relationship with fear and understand it a, bit, a little bit better, understand where fear's coming from, what fear's role is, then we'll be that much more empowered. Because again, fear is not out to hurt us. It's quite the opposite. Now, I am not the expert here, but I can say that fear has indeed, it has been a part of my life, always has. Fear is just more intense now and is incredibly persistent at making me notice him. I suppose that I do need to give fear some credit. Perhaps we all do. Fear is not the bad guy. Even though in the deep, dark moments of panic, he scares the shit out of me and I can spiral myself into epic meltdowns, which I can probably guarantee is going to happen again. Because I am not removed from fear. But hopefully we can start with small shifts. Begin to recognize that fear is trying to help us. And if we recognize that, that in and of itself is a step towards healing. We cannot carve fear off of us because it's part of us. But, and I like to say this again and again and again. This is something that my therapist has said a thousand times. It may be part of us, but it doesn't define us. And when that wave of fear hits, y'all, we need to remember that that feeling, that that fear, it won't last forever. It won't hijack our beings because it alone doesn't define who we are. We are more than that fear. My friend recently told me that going to the doctor, y'all, Okay, it's a big source of fear for me. And she said, every time you face it, every time you face that fear, it loses some of its power over you. And y'all, I know it's not easy. I've got to go and have this pea-sized mass checked out. And yeah, I'm scared. But I can only work with the information that I have available to me at the time. And I do the best that I can. And recognize that why am I afraid in this moment? I'm afraid because I don't want cancer because I've been down that road. So okay, hello, little red flag. I will take what you're saying into account and I will go to the doctor to check it out to ensure that I'm not going down that route. And I can't go, but what if, what if, what if, until I get the answer to that piece, to that part. Recognize your own fear. Personify it. Try to understand what is your fear trying to tell you, which I know, like I said, when I was first asked that question, I thought it was crazy, but there is power behind it. You get to understand it better. And we can do that a little bit more easily when we can personify it and then recognize that it's not about shooing it away and getting rid of it entirely, but calming it, accepting it is a little reminder. What is it that you have to say to me today, fear? What are you trying to tell me? And listen to it and then move forward from there. Yeah. for more information, you can check out Michelle Rosenthal's website of healmyptsd.com. You can, of course, go to our website, www.togetherweweather.org. And if you are struggling with fear and you need somebody to talk to, there is nothing wrong with that. In fact, I applaud you and encourage you to do that, to pick up that phone, and to call somebody for help. I'm looking forward to speaking with you guys again soon. Until then, remember that together we weather this storm. You are never alone.